the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, horses free. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. For those who haven't heard the show before, it's a show that's in two parts. The first part is usually smaller than the second, but the first part of the show we talk about estate planning and elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. And today in, in the COVID world, it's very important to avoid going through court. And as far as elder law trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, we're a little short-staffed today, but my son Michael is behind the controls. Hello, everyone. And, you know, like if you have an email question you want to ask us, how do you how do you ask us a question over the email, Michael? To ask us an email question, and it may either be answered via email or you may hear it answered on air, you can email us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors is spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Okay, so what question we have on board for this week, Michael? All right, so my parents have a life estate and a home that they gifted to me six years ago. I want to transfer the home to my brother. My parents own a dog that has been deemed dangerous, and I don't want the liability of owning the home. If we transfer the house, will the Medicaid look-back include this charge? Thanks. Well, there are kind of a lot of issues in this question. One, the transfer would not really incur a new look-back period because your your parents gave up the control of of the property back more than five years ago. There's a five-year look-back right now, which means you apply for nursing home Medicaid. You have to document all your transactions for five years prior to your application for benefits. But in this case, I think it said that it was six years, so we're past the five years. So that's not a problem. There are other problems. I mean, you might have, if you gave the property to your brother, you may have to file a gift tax return. And I, I think something equitable maybe should be worked out in the family or whatever, where it, let's say if they're two brothers, maybe they each get 50%. Now, it's the parent's responsibility as far as the dog is concerned, because the, the, the letter says the dog belongs to the parents, right? Now, yep. they should have insurance you know, to cover these type of things, but they don't have an, an interest in the property and the real property that can be attached on a lawsuit. So I wouldn't let the dog bother you too much. Yeah, you should take care of the dog and make sure he doesn't hurt anybody. That's for sure. But that's not really your responsibility if your parents 
own the dog. Yeah, it's probably a vicious miniature schnauzer. No, that's what we have, but he ain't vicious, <laughs> you know. I mean, he barks at other dogs, but he doesn't do anything to people. He doesn't even bark at people except if they come onto our property. But um, I, I just wouldn't go around changing deeds to ha- houses willy-nilly. What, w- what was the intent of your parents? Did they intend the house to be shared among their children, or did they mean it as a gift to you? And in, one, also, I would ask your parents what they want to do, because even though technically, and that's one of the problems of a life estate, you give up control to the person you put on the deed. So, you know, this is what happens all the time. People put, you know, their son, daughter's name on, on the property, and then circumstances go out of control. Somebody else gets sued. Let's say the son or daughter gets sued, and there's a lien on the house, and you can't sell it. That's why we do a trust. Trust gives us a lot more flexibility. And, I mean, I can tell you this happens. We probably get one a month of these type of cases where parents transferred the property to son or daughter, three kids, whatever, and one of the children dies before the parents. And that happens a little bit more now because parents are living to be 90, 100 years old. And sometimes they do outlive. You know, a 100-year-old parent outlives a 70-year-old child. And that happens. The parent loses control. So let's say the parent put a life estate here. They can't be kicked out of the house, but at the same time, that house may be going to an in-law or grandchildren they don't know very well. I mean, I don't like life estates by themselves. Ordinarily, we'd like to put things in a trust where you can change the beneficiaries and still protect it from the nursing home, still get the five-year clock started. And, you know, again, if anybody has any question about that, Give us a call at Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. But getting back to the question, yes, you can deed it. It will not start a five-year look-back period, but just don't go signing deeds back and forth without looking at the consequences. And maybe we do something where there are no negative ta- tax consequences, only positive tax consequences in doing a transaction. Maybe we start you know, dividing things 50-50, with your brother, of course, you know, that's one of the problems with email questions we don't always have. We can't ask, answer the question back. But if you want to come in, we'll talk it over and figure out the best way to to go from here. And one of the things, too, and, and some people forget to do this, they after somebody changes a deed, they, pro- they forget to properly insure the property. So whatever insurance company you have... Make sure they have a copy of the deed and they know how the ownership in the property is actually held or whatever. So some companies do as an additional insured, you know, the person who has the remainder interest. And some people just forget to to give a copy of the deed to their insurance company. And we could have a problem because every once in a while if there's a problem and the insurance company is not properly notified, they don't really know who owns the property they may try to bug out if there's a serious problem. So make sure the deed on this life estate deed, make sure a copy of that deed is with the insurance broker who insures the house. And, of course, at the same time, talk to the insurance broker about what can we do about this, you know, dog with the problem. But, you know, make sure you have the proper insurance. All right. Well, we're going to be taking a short break. At, at the end of the break, we're going to be talking to Kevin McCullough, who's going to ask a question, another email question that we get in for his audience on his weekly show. 
If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Hi, Callum McCullough. Every week we talk with Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan, getting real answers to real questions from people like Joyce from Staten Island. Mike, this week's question, she writes, My husband and I are both 75 years old with grown children. The kids are pestering us to get a will. Don't they all inherit our house and assets when we pass away anyway? Why do we need a will? Mike Connors. <laughs> well, that's a common question, but yeah, they will get it, you know, assuming there's no, you know, disabled children, there's no child born out of wedlock or whatever. Yes, they will get it, but at the same time, it's always a lot easier if you have a will. If nothing else, you nominated a, an executor who can be in charge. You don't want chaos after you're gone. We want somebody in charge. And there are a hundred little things that come up that it's a lot easier to do a will. And one of the things, too, if you don't have a will and you want to sell your house, you need a special court order or wait two years to see if a will does pop up. Make it easier on your children. Do a will. Everybody should have a will. Well, it is easy to do, especially when you have the expertise of Connors and Sullivan helping you because uh, they just know it uh, better than anybody else, and that's what their peers say in the business. Uh, that's why you should reach out to them uh, and and be in touch. You can also send them your questions because uh, you will get them answered not only on uh, Kevin McCullough's show each week right here, but you can also listen for your answers uh, on his broadcast Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on AM 57 and FM 102.3, The Mission, and also Sunday mornings starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Send your questions to askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. 
now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. You can listen to Kevin McCullough on, on these same stations. On WMCA, the mission, you can hear him Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., and you can hear him at his new time on 970 The Answer, Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock. So thank you again, Kevin, for all he does for, you know, on his show. Now, our next guest is, you know, an old friend of mine by old, I think we've known each other more than 40 years, but Alan Roth, who's president of Secure America now. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With us right now is an old friend, Alan Roth, president of Secure America. And, and Alan, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Father Paul Balicki on, who, you know, runs that mission in the, in the Middle East. He's a Capuchin priest and a medical doctor. And he was a little depressed because he feels that the change of administration is, is very bad for peace in the Middle East. Do you have any comment on that? Well, I, I agree with Father Paul. Uh, the new administration seems to be set on a course where it's trying to undo extraordinarily positive things that were accomplished by the Trump administration, especially in the Middle East, which also helped Christians who were under attack, they were victims of ISIS, they were victims of all sorts of radicals, Iranian-inspired radicals. And uh, the Trump administration, uh, even though there was a complete media blackout, its accomplishment with what is being deemed as the Abraham Accords actually made made tremendous progress in ending the Sunni Arab war with the state of Israel. Instead of being adversaries, in fact, Sunni Arab countries are now recognizing the existence of the state of Israel. And a lot of this had to do with the I with with the threat posed by the Islamic government of Iran, both to the Sunni Arabs as well as to the state of Israel. And the Biden administration has made it very clear that they want to stop pressuring the Iranians, which means 
lifting sanctions that were imposed by the Trump administration. And those sanctions, in fact, were weakening a direct, a country that is a direct threat to the United States of America and also to Christians throughout the Middle East. They are on a religious crusade to wipe out both Jews and Christians. And by lifting pressure on the Iranian regime, the Biden administration is actually empowering those who are a direct threat to freedom in the region, those who want to destabilize the Middle East. And it is a, quite frankly, a very troubling situation. Now, why? What's the motivation behind the, the the Biden administration taking pressure off Iran? What's the motivation? What is their What is their argument for that? Well, their argument is actually based upon a deal that the Obama Biden administration cut with the Iranians. So it's called the Iran nuclear deal. It was, quite frankly, one of the worst deals that the United States could ever enter into, whether with Iran or any other country. It allowed Iran, after a 10-year period, to actually attain nuclear weapons legally. And it also allowed, during that 10-year period, that Iran would not, be monitored, meaning the nuclear program would not be monitored by outside monitors. So they could do things under under the radar in terms of building up their nuclear capability. That particular deal was touted by the Obama-Biden administration as the greatest success. Well, not only wasn't it a success for the reasons that I mentioned, but by coming in Trump, by President Trump, actually challenging the Iranians, because the Iranians continued under that deal through money that they got from the United States of America to spread terrorism throughout the Middle East. And the Trump administration said that the deal was a bad deal. The money that was, the taxpayer dollars that were given to the Iranians, billions of dollars, should should never have happened, and that it was fueling attacks on Americans, which was absolutely accurate. So, Biden in his administration right now is trying to put back on track the Iran nuclear deal. So that's the prime motivation here is to take what he considers to be a crown jewel of the Obama Biden uh, administration and putting it back in place. And uh, again, I'll use the term troubling. This is very troubling because, and just one factoid here that will help the audience understand. 
uh, or where I'm coming from in this analysis. In the Arab world, 70, 70% of Arabs are Sunni Arabs. Those are the countries that, in fact, are laying down their arms against the United States and the state of Israel. The Iranians are Shia Muslims, and they constitute approximately 30% of the Muslim population in the world. So there is a religious divide among the Iranians and the Arab Muslim world. What this does at, by once again building up the Shia, the minority Muslim population, it poses a direct threat to the Sunnis because Iran is on the precipice of becoming a nuclear power and the Biden administration seems determined to make them a nuclear power. And at the same time, they are also extremely militant by using terrorism as a way of getting their way in the region. One of the hot spots that Iran has been stoking against the Sunni world is actually in Yemen, where their allies are directly threatening Saudi Arabia and other Sunni countries. And I would bet that you're going to see the Biden administration actually helping continue helping Iran to continue to support the uh, the Yemenites who are, in fact, uh, allied with the Iranians. This would this would, again, upset the entire framework that the Trump administration, the Abraham Accords, I will tell you, I have read the literature religiously about foreign policy issues related to the Middle East. No one predicted that the Trump administration or any administration could, in fact, get the Sunnis to lay down their arms and embrace the state of Israel, and vice versa, Israel embracing these lifelong enemies. And um, by, by refocusing American policy towards Iran in helping to build up Iran, the Biden administration is going to upset that particular balance. So far, thankfully, the Sunnis seem like they understand that Biden's there and they understand that they have to deal with the United States of America, but they are not stepping back from their newfound friends in the state of Israel, which is a good thing. But if Biden continues down this road, he may, in fact, fracture the Abraham Accords, which would be a very bad thing for the entire region and for the United States. But what again, the Biden administration, what is their end game? Well, how do they feel that the United States has benefited by this policy? 
Well, it's 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 a very good question, and I'm not sure that they have a well thought out program in which they say, and for these reasons, X, Y, and Z, America will benefit. Look, and I'm going to segue briefly into domestic politics, and which means that we have in this country an elite that frankly is not interested in benefiting the masses of people. This is why Donald Trump was elected in 2016. And that elite showed itself in a very powerful way during the two terms of Obama-Biden administration. That elite is back in power. So they often pursue policies that do not directly benefit the American people, but benefit big business, that benefit all sorts of groups that are trying to push liberal social agendas throughout the world, that benefit the United Nations. But benefiting those institutions do not benefit the American people. And I would argue that this move back towards making Iran the center of our Middle East policy is driven by an elite that, frankly, doesn't give a damn about how it impacts the average American. They care about that their own parochial interests are being satisfied. And those interests could be more business. Those interests could be bigger markets for their, our social media giants like Facebook, like Google, like Twitter. Um, Iran is pretty much a closed country to those tremendous supporters of the social media supporters of the Biden administration. So see this, I see this more as a contract between the elite and the Biden administration with the American people getting the short end of the stick. Talking about the American people right now, you know, I'm reading the greatest threat to American security is uh, this right wing. I don't vast right wing conspiracy or whatever. I know a few people that are conservative and I don't see any uprising of you know conservatives so who who are these people that are, are threatening america's security you know, they're not they're not right-wing kooks and there are right-wing kooks and and those people should be monitored when they break and when they break the law they should be in prison but that's not the threat in this country during the course of 2020 we had months after month of left-wing destruction of our American city. The elites decided that it this was not a criminal act of going into mostly minority areas, burning down business, uh, destroying homicide rates that are frankly off the charts in cities like Chicago, 
New York, Philadelphia, but saying that we don't have a crime problem here or a left-wing crime problem. What we have here is freedom of expression. They're expressing their points of view. Well, the average American understands that there are ways of expressing the point of view, and it's not by destroying another person's business, threatening their families, or killing them. So the left has closed its eyes by, by in fact, not looking at the left wing, and I would call it domestic terrorism, at times, they have participated. Cities like Seattle and Portland, there aren't any news coming out of them to this day. But for close to a year, they have been under siege by left-wing radicals, not right-wingers. And I'll say it again. A right-winger who breaks the law, who shoots somebody, should go to jail, as should any American who does that. But there has been a hands-off attitude towards left-wing, I'll use the term again, domestic terrorism, um, just outright Mm -hmm. radicalism, anarchism. uh, I go back to Portland and to Seattle. They've been holding police stations, the city halls, under siege for a year. And we hear nothing about it. And that's one of the reasons why the media has lost respect among the American people. Because the American people, there are other small media outlets which are informing them of these radical activities. But yet the mainstream media refuses to cover it. So... You get a situation where with the mainstream media is not going to cover it. Um, Biden and his administration can say the greatest threat to America comes from the right. And um, and it's just not the case. Well, let me ask you, you touched upon it, but, you know, big tech and whatever. Are we going to run into a problem where we might have freedom of speech, but nobody's going to hear us? It's a it's a problem. Um, and it's a threat. It's a very real threat. At Secure America Now, which I am president of, um, we have over 4 million people on Facebook, and we have another million and a half people on other social media platforms. And we face the situation, let's say that we oppose a a foreign policy policy of the uh, Biden administration. We oppose uh, allowing illegals. Well, today, the Biden administration announced that before seniors get their vaccines for COVID-19 in the United States, law-abiding seniors, he is going to give free COVID-19 vaccines to illegals in this country. I mean, and if we criticize that, several things might happen. One thing almost certainly would happen if we had a critical post against that policy on Facebook, we have had situations where Facebook just takes it down. 
They won't let our people see it. They take it. They won't let anyone see it. They just take it down. They give no reason. But it goes, it goes, it's an opposition to what they believe. So they are acting as the censor. But you also have, and this is the good part, um, um, you have now a few social media platforms. I'll mention, I'll mention two of them. One of them is called MeWe, M-E-W-E. Another one is called Gab, G-A-B, where they are not censoring what people post, and they are growing in leaps and bounds. And um, another uh, platform which says it's coming back, but a lot of people may have heard of, is Parler. And Paula grew in leaps and bounds again because they were not censoring content. And, um, and they had their computers housed, frankly, um, in, uh, at Amazon. And Amazon, being part of the left-wing uh, elite, they just shut down Paula by pulling the plug in their computers. Paula now, they keep, they're saying that they will be coming back on different platforms that will not hold them hostage to Amazon. So there are outlets, and of course, so far, the, um, the most effective outlet, or the one that, is, that has the least censorship, is email. So people still have the ability and we do this at secure America now and groups do it millions and millions who represent millions and millions of Americans. We use email to educate people, um, to give them a point of view that the mainstream media shut us down, but it is an outrage that the social media giants like Facebook and Twitter are not being curtailed. And when people say, well, what can we do to them? Well, actually, Congress passed legislation that allows them to get away with this censorship. And we we are arguing that Congress should take away those protections that they gave to Facebook and Twitter if they continue to act against freedom of speech. Uh, you know, just for the audience out there, a few of you may remember, uh, a couple of years ago, we did an interview with Steve Forbes, which we had a post on Facebook, which was taken down. And I thought it was the most <laughs> innocuous interview we ever did, except apparently we had some buzzwords because we talked about you know, toy soldiers, so the military and taxes. So for whatever reason, Facebook thought that was dangerous and took down our post, which, uh, again, you know, yeah, you know, Steve Forbes, he's such a, you know, a radical extremist, you know, the nicest guy in the world. (laughs) He really is. And of course, his father's toy soldier uh, collection 
one of the gems in the city of New York. I always love to go visit that. And uh, but we had a situation where we were just going along, and we don't we don't play with the radicals. We offer a conservative point of view, and um, during the Obama administration, um, one day the IRS tries to shut us down. <laughs> And and when you when we when we push back, we weren't the only group that um, that were designated for this type of treatment. But when they push, but when we push back, um, uh, it became very clear that the only reason why they were shutting us down was because we were offering an alternative conservative point of view. Let's shift gears a little bit. Foreign foreign policy outside of the Middle East. Biden administration, China. Biden administration, Russia. What's going to happen? Well, um, there are indications that the Trump administration, which was the first administration to actually challenge China, both economically and also, in, in a political sense, in speaking up for groups, religious groups, Catholics, uh, other Christians, Muslims, who are being, as well as Buddhists, who are being attacked by the communist Chinese, Chinese regime. They're, all the indications are showing that the Biden administration is going to pull back from that adversarial relationship and go back to a relationship that allowed China. Let me just give you one very it's a domestic thing that occurred that Americans, I think, will be able to relate to when Chinese companies were going to become part of the New York Stock Exchange in the United States, under the rules, companies have to open up their books to show that they're real, that there aren't shenanigans going on, that they're not doing illegal stuff, that the information that they're giving to the public is real. Chinese companies were given by the Obama-Biden administration a pass. They didn't have to open up their books. They could trade, and nobody actually knew if these were shell companies, if these were criminal companies. That type of stuff directly affected American stockholders who were trading on the New York Stock Exchange. So... We have a situation where, and another area where a lot of people are concerned about, especially these days, is that China, when they would invite American companies, especially companies, uh, pharmaceutical companies, had played a very big role in this. And they offered them, the communist Chinese, huge incentives, financial incentives to set up their operations, manufacturing operations in communist China. After a couple of years of operation, the communist Chinese literally stole the intellectual property 
of these American companies. But at that point, and they set up their own Chinese, communist Chinese uh, competitors to those companies. And what they succeeded in doing was they destroyed the, to, to the degree of 96%, they destroyed the, gener- the manufacture of generic drugs in the United States. We don't produce generic drugs in the United States because they were all shifted to communist China. And, but it's not American firms that are producing those drugs now. They are communist Chinese firms. This is a national security problem. There's a lady who wrote a book called China RX. And I, I highly recommend that book. It is a, it's very chilling of how the Chinese in the manufacture of drugs that we use extensively in the United States that the Chinese actually at times, without telling anybody, have substituted the ingredients in the drugs. And there have been cases here, mostly having to do with operations, people undergoing surgery, where these drugs were used and people had allergic reactions that killed them. And this is because the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, which is supposed to monitor how drugs are being manufactured during the Obama years, they had no role in China. During the Trump years, Trump insisted that the Food and Drug Administration actually play the extensive role that they should be playing in making sure that the right ingredients are going into the drugs. Things like that could change radically. If, in fact, the Biden administration follows through on their indications that they want peace with China. China doesn't want peace with us. China wants to take Taiwan. China wants to control the trade routes in Asia as well as around the world. And going about treating them as friends would be a huge detriment to the United States. As far as Russia is concerned, it it really is ironic. With the Russians, um, we have heard for four years a fiction that Trump somehow was bolstering Putin and company and that that Russia was living high because of the Trump administration. That has not been the case. The Trump administration, among other things, because of Trump, because of Russia's occupation of portions of Ukraine, has imposed some very serious and effective sanctions on Russia. And the Russians will like to see those lifted. And, um, and there is a chance, and I hope it's not true, that the Biden administration will lift those sanctions, which will then be 
a reward to the Russians to continue their heavy handed ways towards the Baltic states as well as as well as Ukraine. And that would not be a good thing. No, but wait a minute. Doesn't Biden didn't Biden get his all, all his money from the Ukraine? So then they have a conflict of interest there. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. And uh, and but, you know, again, I go back to the way for all of us to look at the Biden administration's policies, both domestic and foreign, is not how it benefits the American people, but how it benefits the elites who helped them get elected. All right, Alan, we're running out of time, but one last thing. Can you tell us about Secure America Now? How does somebody find out more about it? Sure. Simply by either on Facebook, Twitter, or on the web, going to secureamericanow.com or .org. You can sign up. We do a weekly security update, mostly about news that, uh, that is not covered by the mainstream media. And uh, you can sign on to that. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe from it. But we do um, ongoing, mostly on Facebook, um, um, we give a hell of a lot of news. You can like us on Facebook. We can end up on your news feed, which would be great for us and would be great for America. I'll tell you, one of our most popular um, uh, items that we do each week is that we encourage people to nominate military people who are who are serving or who have served who are alive and some have passed away so that we can highlight the average americans who have given their lives who have given their time given their talent to secure the united states of america well thank you alan thank you for being on ask the lawyer and again secure america now what's the website again SecureAmericanNow.com. Thank you, Alan Roth, for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks for having me. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. 
You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. But if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, today accompanied by my son, Mike Connors. Hello, everyone. You know, and thanks again, Alan Roth. We really appreciate all the work he does on behalf of freedom and securing America. You know, side note, we were just talking in between breaks here. And this past Sunday on TCM, they had The Killers on, which had Ronald Reagan in his last film role. And in that, he shoots... One of our good buddies, Clue Gulliger. Great interview on this show. We <laughs> yeah. might have to replay that one sometime. But yeah, the, the the problem was it took over the the whole interview. And for those, if if you don't know who Clue Gulliger was, if you saw his picture, you would know because he did four hundred TV appearances, a hundred films. Um, great actor, really is. And I mean, uh, you know, and he steals the show. I think in this movie, it's oh, absolutely. got Lee Marvin, Angie Dickinson, John Cassavetes. And Ronald Reagan's the bad guy in this movie. It's his last screen appearance before he started getting into politics. And it at the end, he shoots Clue Gulliger. <laughs> and, you know, they, they said on the film noir, Eddie Muller, that it might have been the only time Ronald Reagan ever uh, killed or shot somebody. That I, I know. I don't see how that could be with all the He did the westerns too many westerns, did, and, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't remember if he killed anybody in Santa Fe Trail. Plus, he did a couple of war movies, too, so... Um, but, you know, it was a great interview with... But wait, wait, what, what if he's a submarine captain and they sink a Japanese yeah, ship? Count? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so Hellcats of the Navy. Right. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure he killed somebody on screen before. But still, Clue Gulliger, great interview, great actor, um, very gracious guy. Absolutely. You know, so... Absolutely. You know, kudos to TCM for bringing him on. Of course, he's probably the only guy still alive <laughs> from that movie since it was filmed, you know, 60 years and for, ago. And for those who haven't seen it, it's, you know, it's loosely based on the Ernest Hemingway short story, which is really just kind of a nothing story in terms of, it, you know, it's very short. But they, they took the concept just of the two killers coming into town and they ran with it. And it's it's a really great – I mean, I prefer it to the earlier one, but that's that's just my personal – Well, they're both good films. They're both good films, no question. I just – you know, I prefer the one with – Clue and Lee Marvin. It's a it's a great movie. It's very entertaining. The soundtrack is actually a very early soundtrack by John Williams of Star Wars fame and various other things that you recognize him from. But uh, yeah, no. In the credits, it in his early career he was credited as Johnny Williams. So this is one of the first. And the music is fantastic and it shows the markings of an early great, the early stage of a great composer. And the director of that film was Don Siegel, who later on went to. Dirty uh, Harry. Dirty Harry and yeah. uh, The Shootist with John Wayne. Yep. I think there are three directors that directed both John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. Okay. Don Siegel, obviously, we just Andrew said Dave it. McLaughlin. And McLaughlin. Well, I was going to save him for last okay. because he was okay. our buddy, too. But yeah. he directed Clint Eastwood in a lot of the uh, what, he, what Rawhide. Rawhide interviews. And then he 
did four or five films with John Wayne. The third guy is John Sturgis, who was not one of John Wayne's best movies, but McHugh, which also had Clue Gulliger oh, in it. Yeah. yeah, so that, that I think that's the only film that Clue Gulliger, Gulliger worked with uh, John Wayne. Part of what brought this up, uh, my wife Beth got an email from Frank Volpe, who saw the film. Frank Volpe's our, our friend accountant executor at yep. uh, Salem Communications. So we started thinking about it. But it, 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 if you get to see it on a replay or if you got TCM on demand, check it out, The Killers. And listen, The Killers with Burt Lancaster and Ava Gardner, that's a, that's a very good film, too. You know, Robert Siddenmack oh, sure. sure. directed that. So, you know, they're good films, totally different stories. And... You know, check them out. You know, we love old movies here. Yeah, we love Hemingway too. So yeah. All right, so I guess it's about time to call it a show. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.